0: Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like.
1: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn.
0: All right, 107 is underway. Today in studio, I have... Ty Hershey, sorry. our guest. Ty, how are you doing?
2: Cy. S- Cy. Yeah. Sorry. Cy. It's all good. Cy Hershey. Right
3: before the uh, podcast came on, we were talking about a guy named Ty. So that's we why we did it. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: How yeah. grateful we were for his two-year sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. So um, obviously I'm also joined. Should we do this old school? No. I'm obviously also joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the doc, Terry Sellers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's munching on some cool ranch Doritos, though. Yeah. I don't know. I might vomit by the end of this thing. And then oh we have God. Sean Denivin, our Tech Titan. remember those old days? We were a little cheesy, but we were having fun with it. Yeah, right.
1: We're still a couple going.
0: goofballs. We're still going. Hey, episode 107. Sean's supposed
3: to say, hello, oh, I push the buttons or something like that.
1: I push the buttons. Yeah,
3: that's what he does. Man, he
0: does. It's, I feel like I'm having deja vu. I, I love got, it. I got a cue on. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So episode 107 is brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and improving mental health. We have two formulas. There's mindful mood. Mindful mood is designed to decrease anxiety and enhance mood. And then mind shift. Mind shift is blended to increase focus and optimize brain function. We have some sample packs. If you want to get a free sample pack, go to RiseUpSups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S.com. Try before you buy, baby. Try before you buy. There you go. All right, Doc.
3: Well, for those of you that have listened to this podcast for quite some time, you'll recognize that um, we are in the midst of changing some sponsorship stuff, so next week we might have a completely different sponsor. I'm going to have uh, to learn all new lines. Yeah, I know. We got all these things like, just <laughs> finally, after 107 episodes, like everything we say is pretty secondhand at this point, but now we got to learn some new stuff. Yeah, and I'm an old, old dog, so we can't teach old dogs new tricks.
1: You guys want to put a wager down about who's going to mess up the sponsorship next time? Um, Well. Two, three months down the line, you're just going to say the wrong sponsor? uh, It's a radio station. thing. You move to a new radio station, and you say the wrong station for the first week.
0: We'll do that. We'll for sure do
1: that. Absolutely. Whoever Um, messes up has to buy me lunch.
0: Oh, see
3: you well, see
1: my, see see how he came up my, with that? Yeah, well, guess what? He's my money's on
3: Jared because he messes up even when he knows somebody's name. So it's true. <laughs> like Cy? Um, yeah. yeah. Ty Hershey?
0: Yeah, Ty Hershey. Sai Hershey? Ty Hershey's yeah.
3: a cool dude. Forgiveness, bro. Yeah. Future but, forgiveness. Listen, I don't know if good. you
0: know this about me, Sai. But back in the day, I did a lot of drugs. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I'm like functioning on like three quarters of a brain. <laughs> wow. So please I'm forgive me.
2: I'm impressed with the whole production value. I'm impressed with everything. Yeah, I mean, th- I the it. lines that you did remember were amazing. So <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, thank so you. Well done. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah.
0: So right,
3: we so always we kick start it off. off? Yeah. Okay. Are you? I don't know what, what we're doing here. Let's just start at the top
0: like we always do. All right. So we do like you to p- do that, or you want me to do it? Yeah. Go ahead. A little positive psychology. You know where no, I'm going with that? I don't know what that meant. New and goods, baby. I know. Oh, I know what's
3: next. I just didn't know what it meant by positive Whether, psychology. whether you wanted me to do it or you do it. Go ahead. You. Okay. Well, we always do new and goods, so I'm going to start it off by asking somebody what's new and good in their life, and I'm going to start with Jared Miller. Oh, my what goodness. What is new and good in the life of Jared Miller?
0: Listen. Two days ago, oh. I went... And heard my baby's heartbeat. Oh, that's right. You sent me that. For the first time. Yeah. And listen, it, it was crazy because I left, right? You like you get in the hustle and bustle. I went to work and then, you know, I had to meet Mandy at the, at the doctor's office and you just get caught up in like the hustle and bustle of things. And I'm like driving away and I'm sending my family the video of the heartbeat. And I can remember back to when I was living in a sober living house and I was riding the bus and I was working a janitorial job and i would literally literally come home and lay in my bunk put headphones on and i would try to picture like what i wanted my life to look like and as i'm driving back to my work i had to pull the car over cuz i was balling dude yeah like just so much gratitude that today <laughs> i have the life that i manifested back then right all those hours laying on that bunk, just visualizing, if I get my poop in a group, what could my life look like? And so I just, my heart was full. That's my new and good. I heard my baby's heartbeat for the first time. That's about
3: as new and good as you can get right there.
0: Save me before I start crying, Doc. Yeah, you're all right. We we allow crying
3: on this show. <laughs> we <laughs> encourage sure. it. That's, we, yep. that's,
2: amazing. We've that's it. amazing. That is
3: amazing stuff. No one's going to outdo that new and good this week for sure. Uh, I'll tell you what I did when I heard the heartbeat. So I heard your baby's heart re- heartbeat heartbeat because you sent it to me, right? So I um, so first thing is I get out my stopwatch, right? And I tell my wife, well, I told my wife to to time this, and then I started listening to the heartbeat, and I counted, and she so I'm thinking when I first heard, it, I thought that's a little slow. I'm not sure if that's the baby's heartbeat or mom's heartbeat. And so I had my wife time it while I counted, and it was about one hundred and twenty eight beats a minute, which is not too slow. At all, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've heard heartbeats for mm. a living, but it's about 128. But then I'm thinking to myself, 120. So typical is somewhere around 140 for a baby. Sometimes slower means boys and faster means girls, or at least that's an old wives' tale. That's okay. not really true at all. And so I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, that's a boy. Wait a sec. We already know it's a girl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, forgot,
3: I forgot about that for a sec. But yeah, I'm going to use that for my new and good, too, your, your baby's heartbeat. I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop squeaking the cushion because Sean hears all that stuff that I do with my feet.
1: Every sound.
3: Sean. Si, <laughs> we save you for last, by the way. New and great Sean, this week. Sean. No, no. I'm going to go with Sean okay, and then we go okay. to you. Sean, what's new and good in the world of Sean Denovan, our producer?
1: My new and good is I get to hear what Si's new and good is going to be. Oh, that's <laughs> just lovely, isn't it? Si? So we call
3: uh, that in deflecting. Your, yeah, that, in is, your that life <laughs> is extremely deflecting. <good laughs> in this. your life, what's new and good
2: this week? Uh, I... Doing this with you guys, All coming right. down, spending some time in St. George with the family, getting some golfing in January is a big freaking so, deal. But I have a nine month old baby too, you know, so I I'm getting to spend time for my twenty-two year old son's birthday down here with my nine month old baby. So it's kinda cool nice. to have the whole range and man, I can relate with with your story and just just the thought a possibility of just maybe putting some consistency in life together to be able to do something like that. You know, and so I commend it big time, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Yeah,
3: we played golf on January 6th just now. Cy and I and and his oldest son just played golf on January 6th in uh, St. George, Utah. Last year we were storming the Capitol building on January
2: 6th. No, two years ago.
3: Oh, that was two years he ago. Was, Holy yeah. mackerel. It's been so long since I stormed the Capitol I can't <laughs> even remember.
2: <laughs> he was itching uh, he was itching again today too. It was weird. He he's getting a little st- twitchy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Let's go storm the Capitol. Yeah, that's what I do for a living.
2: All right. Oh so well, there went the sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have, we don't have yeah. any sponsors
3: anymore We just
0: lost the other two, Doc <laughs> We just picked up the oh, I'm gonna need a sponsorship so. that, like, somebody that does AC units You know, like, it's wintertime And why I'm are you sweating? Here, I'm sweating, are you all right? I shouldn't wear this sweater <laughs> I told you guys, good, I'm like, I got short I'm all business up top and, like, lounging down below You know, I got shorts on and In my house loafers, had to kick the house loafers off because man, I'm am I I the guy hot in this? I got four
3: layers right here, and I'm not hot. (laughs) Oh my My goodness! goodness, Yeah, I think you're
0: going through menopause. I might be. Yeah, that's
3: true. We
2: are pregnant,
3: so that's true. Mm -hmm. This is a this is true. Maybe your hormones are off
0: with your wife. All right. Should we get this thing? Actually, I'm super, Should we
3: put this back on the track? Yeah. Again?
0: Listen, I'm super excited for today because I know that you and Cy have rapport. We do. We've Cy and I have known each other for a long time. A
2: uh, long time. I'm
0: glad that you're both in studio. <clears throat>
2: I'm
0: gonna. I'm just gonna turn it over. Let All you right. guys rock and roll, baby.
3: All right. We're gonna start. Um, we're gonna start from the start. <laughs> so, uh, Cy, I have known Cy since at least 2006. Um, <clears throat> let's start with, tell us about Cy. Who are you? Where'd you grow up? What? Tell us about your, your sort of start from the childhood.
2: Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Cy Hershey and I am a drug, I and alcoholic. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, I was born in, born in Boston, Massachusetts. Actually, my dad was in medical school out there at Harvard Medi- medical and, and kind of had that real early experience of living on the east coast and then moved out here to start a practice my dad and, and Dr. Sellers knew my dad but was a rock star plastic surgeon like he would kind of changed the world and and changed set my example of what what a man should be in a lot of ways and and just did a lot of good things in this world you know started a foundation called Hershey Smiles Foundation and and still that still is making a big difference nowadays yeah. today yeah. um but had had a great childhood you know I was one of six kids and four sisters and, and a brother and grew up with you know all the things that you want to grow up with mm. you know the, the you know you don't even really realize it when you're growing up but you know when you're looking back and the affluence of just having stuff you know not having to worry about eating and not having to worry about your next meal and and i used to th- I, I tell the story a lot to my kids because i used to feel like i had such a strong work ethic right but then in- I'd look at it and I I could sign for gas at a gas station and I could sign for food at Ripples, you know, and all these different places around town. And so you had some privilege. Yeah, I mean, it was like, but to me, I'm like, I worked hard. I I earned my first car, you know, but I did not pay for any gas. Did not pay for insurance, you know, <laughs> and and but had a great life, you know, and, and really, yeah, you know, I mean, I, there was stuff as kids, you know. I had a super, uh, super you know, overachieving dad and a really overachieving mom, excuse me. And, and, you know, my mom, I think really kind of came down on us kids a little bit just for the sake of not necessarily having the control of, of a really successful husband either, you know, like he's out there working and doing his thing. And and so she would really kind of latch down on us and looking back, you know, there was a lot of volatility in the house, you know, a lot of volatility that we learned how to sweep under the rug real well and come out and, you know, we were, we were Hershey's, we were Dr. Hershey's kids and we had to act cool.
0: Can I pause you for one sec? The counselor in me is coming out Yeah, and I just want to take a minute and, and just point this out. Oftentimes when we have parents or we have, you know, authority figures that are very successful, mm-hmm. even if they don't mean to put pressure on their, adoles- you know, their, their kids, when you get to a certain age, you start to figure out life. What does your dad do? What does your mom do? Right? And and there's this. Once you start to relate, hey, my dad's a pretty big dude, mm-hmm. right? Like in in the world, he's a he's a pretty successful guy. Yeah. And my mom's an amazing woman too. Like there is a certain amount of underlying pressure, or expectation there, even if they don't say it. Yeah. Even if even if they're totally loving, it sounds like they were for you. They were accepting, loving, nurturing. There still is like a subconscious like how am i going to live up to this yeah my dad's a big deal yeah
3: his dad was a big deal so in the in the medical world there is <clears throat> there's a there's a always as in everything in life right there's a bit of a hierarchy right and obstetricians which is what i was are nowhere near the top of that but they're also not at the bottom right mm-hmm. the bottom of the hierarchy and yet they're still physicians um, would be family practice doctors and pediatricians and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and then the top hierarchy is going to be neurosurgeons and plastic surgeons and heart surgeons and um, one the orthopedic surgeons yeah. Those are the guys that are really at the top, right? Those are the guys that are the like these are the cool guys, right? Mm-hmm. An OB's not one of the cool guys, but he's not. I mean, you know, it's a, yeah, I'm still a physician. Like, I, I was kind of cool in Provo for a while. Um, I knew a lot of people, but the top guys are it's like, Cy's dad was the most well known plastic surgeon in Utah County and maybe even Utah. I don't know that. And I, I hope d- my influence was Utah County, but I and, hope
0: I'm speaking for all of our listeners when I say just being a doctor is pretty dangerous successful cool. <laughs> in and of itself, right? Yeah. So, my, my question for you, Cy, si, is was it just kind of that was it just kind of like you realized who you were who your parents were or was there kind of like it, was the expectation stated from your parents
2: no they i mean it, it, you definitely knew there was something a little bit special about being a hershey and okay. it was definitely and and not necessarily that it was special but but within our family and with within my parents you know they definitely Wanted us to carry ourselves in a different way and there was that pressure for sure and and the unspoken pressure unspoken But a lot of it was internal. It wasn't necessarily that they're kind of putting it on me It was more or less like shoot. I want to I want to be a lot like my dad. Yeah, my, yeah. Dad,
3: my dad's a big deal yeah, and, then, and
2: I want to be a lot like him and and You know and, and I had and I was the yo- second youngest I had a younger sister. That's that's amazing and all my siblings are amazing, but a lot of my older siblings had some struggles with substance use and stuff. And, and you know, growing up and watching it, you know, all, all I wanted to do was just be the peacemaker. I just wanted everyone mm. just to be happy. And, and you know, and I'm thinking, God, alcohol is the worst thing in the world. Like alcohol is making my brother go to Provo Canyon Boys School when he's 16. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking and but now it's funny looking back hindsight, I go. I wonder of my parents were overreacting. Like maybe, maybe he wasn't partying that hard, right. but but they were just so hyper focused on the older siblings that we kind of were just the chosen ones. Like I remember my dad literally would take me on rounds and be like, "This is this is going to be. He's going to be another doctor. This is my favorite child." Yeah, he literally would say that, which is crazy. Well, favorite son, not child. My sisters will kill me if they're listening. To but
3: I like how he caught himself. Yeah, yeah. he, he got he, himself. He knows he has to go home, and his sisters yeah. are
2: there. I have right great now. sisters, man, and they're, they're They'll be listening for sure. Yeah, but you know, and they they just what, But it was this expectation, and, and you know, I. But I had a good childhood. You know, I really genuinely. You hear a lot of people say this, like, "Oh shoot, I didn't have any trauma. I didn't have this. I didn't have that." You know, I. Definitely had something, you know. Some something steered me in the ways that I've de- developed my coping mechanisms, even to today, you know. And 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 I think a lot of it was just kind of that volatility of just not necessarily knowing what was going to happen with the older siblings, not knowing what, you know, kind of all of a sudden they're just going to be out of the house, sort of a thing. And 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 my mom was amazing. My mom was a beautiful, amazing. Soul that was getting better and better with age But she was about it man like she was on it and she was about it and she did not let stuff slide and she Like we're up at six in the morning practicing piano and I I remember it would be cold and I'd be under the piano like On the (laughs) bent like it's freezing at six in the morning and then she'd come in like why aren't you practicing? I'm Freezing you know and but like she was on it and she and she knew what she expected and and there's so many lessons that she's taught me just from a just from a gratitude and a politeness standpoint and just etiquette standpoint that's helped me so much in my life but you know there was obviously a lot of fear too where i was you know i developed early on that the quickest the simplest way to avoid consequence was to be dishonest you know and so mm. you'd roll the dice you'd be dishonest and Hope you get through. Sometimes you would, sometimes you wouldn't. And, and
3: well, but, the quickest way to avoid consequences is to do what you were supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, but, but that wasn't.
2: No, no, that wasn't. A thought not at your all. Path. Well, in the end, I was like this. You know, we were the young kids. Like the older kids were causing all these problems and fighting, and so we weren't even really anything until high school. And the other kids kind of moved out. Then all of a sudden. I kinda shifted into the bad object around and I know I'm going a little too long here. You're not. But we're fine. With um heavy, heavy metal music. Like I just dug it.
3: Oh, you, you know, like I'd heavy lo- metal? I loved do you Evo. like
2: Dio? I, I love Dio, man. <laughs> I know Love it. And I'd wear heavy metal shirts and I wanted to like shed any sort of Hershiness. Yeah, any sort or any influence, you any- know. I wanted to be the band, but I was a really good athlete too. I was kicking butt in athletics, but I still was like screw it you know and then i'd come home and she'd have all my stuff thrown away and i'd be pissed about it
0: you talked about uh coping skills you mentioned that lying one lying was one of them Mm -hmm. the heavy metal was Mm -hmm. one of them Mm -hmm. sports was one of them Mm -hmm. what are maybe i mean you're on a podcast about recovery from addiction what what maybe were some of the other coping skills you leaned into
2: well so that's that was the kind of interesting point of my story right is everything's going well you know and i have an older brother I, i end up Going up to Utah State, my older brother's already up there. He's part of, part of this party atmosphere, mm-hmm. but I hadn't. I didn't use one substance, illicit substance, alcohol in high school whatsoever because I'm like my mom will kill me. Really, literally, literally. And I remember getting up to Logan, and I remember the first couple weeks going, hmm.
3: Mom's not here. She can't find out. Mom's not
2: here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it— and Stinking thinking. Yeah. And and I dove right into it. And it was so interesting to me because my brother was super smart. He was in the Ph.D. program. He was, like, teaching me classes. He was, like, one of my associate professors and stuff. And, and he would party hard. And he'd get up and go to class the next day. I'd party hard, and I'd be a wreck. You know, and I wouldn't do so well in, in school. And so I quickly kind of learned that I was, you know, I needed to transfer back home and come back down to BYU and dove into, and then in that time I developed a pretty heavy opiate problem. So that was a coping mechanism after a surgery from an ankle surgery and, and, you know, it was pretty it was pretty gnarly. Opiates the,
0: tend to lock on and not let go. Yeah, it
2: was pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. And so, that, and then, so then I came back home, and you know, met my first wife. I'm 20 years old. You know, going through the predominant religion aspect of it, and and had my first kid. And, you know, and I kind of put substances away for a little bit, but that still the wanting to be something that maybe I wasn't. You know, and I, I, even with my first wife, I'd. Talk a lot about being a doctor when I had no real intentions or smarts to be a doctor, or even to be able to go to you know to accomplish it in school or even think about accomplishing it. But we, you know, started kind of going through life. My parents died in a plane crash coming back from St. George in 2002.
3: Whoa, 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 hold on. Mm. You you just flippantly mentioned that like it's no event in your life. No, it's a big event.
2: Yeah, it's an event that shapes me. It's and
3: I, I, I. Your dad owned his, owned his own plane. as yeah. a pilot and had a pilot's license. Yep.
2: And then and yeah, this is, a, this is an addiction podcast, but but it it shapes me, and I still don't know why it shapes me so severely. Because it's been twenty years now, and even just talking about right now, it it shakes me.
0: Yeah, I can see your lip quivering. Your eyes and are a
2: little watered up. It's brutal. You know, and we came down here and me and my son and my wife and so quick story, my son and my wife, my mom were already down here. They had a place and me and my dad and two Guatemalan kids and two Guatemalan kids' parents, because some of these kids would need additional surgery. So they'd come up and get secondary surgeries and he wanted to show them Zions and Southern Utah. so they
3: we're, we're talking about kids that were treated through the foundation yeah, yeah. called Hershey Smiles and he used yeah. to go down and operate on kids in foreign countries.
2: Yeah.
0: With cleft cleft
3: palate and that clef sort clef of left. stuff. Yep.
2: And so and I'm working. I'm I'm smashing it financially at this point. I have a software company that's doing really well and feeling competent in life and and you know, there's no way I'm going down on a Wednesday. I'm going to fly down with my dad on a Friday after work, and and we fly down and have an amazing weekend. We go to Zion's, and I'm getting ready to fly back. I have a, I have a, uh, I remember I had a meeting in Sacramento or something that I had to fly out for the next day, and so I'm telling my wife like, "Hey, I'm going to fly." And I had my pilot's license too, mm-hmm. where I was working on it, and then so I'm doing the pre-check and pre-flight with my dad and. And we open it up for me, my son, my mom and dad, and then my wife is like, I'm gonna have to drive home with these Guatemalan people that I don't speak Spanish. Like, this is gonna be weird, and she's giving me all this crap about it. Can we we don't swear on here, do we? I don't swear anyways.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> when we do, Sean bleeps it out, okay. so. We it try- does go on the, the local radio. So we try way. not to.
2: Okay, but she's giving me crap like, dude, and I'm pouting. And I'm like, oh, I have to work early in the morning and this will save me, blah, blah, blah. And my mom's like, what are you doing? Like, give me, come here, give me a hug and kiss and go take care of your wife, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And I give her a hug and, and then my mom even said this, she's like, you, know, this, you never know when you're gonna see each other again, and you know? Make sure you have a good, good impression. So hop off, plane, hop, take my son off the plane. You know, we drive home. Big snowstorm and Nephi and heart drops. You're just like, oh, something bad's happened, you know, and then...
0: So you felt it before you knew?
2: Yeah. Really? Well, initially, you're like, they probably made it through here a little bit sooner, and I checked the weather. There was no weather. Hmm. It was a weird day. It was November 24th, and it was really warm November, And but you hit it like a wall, and then flight controls calling me because i had opened the flight plan and um, and that wasn't completely unusual my dad would sometimes forget to close the flight plan but long story long story short you know i lost my parents that day mm-hmm. and it shook me in a way that i still i still struggle with i still often go i do not feel prepared for life without parents and it's funny i'm 46 years old
0: it also sounds like you got maybe some survivor's guilt. I don't know if that fits, oh, yeah, but totally.
2: Yeah, like there's zero doubt in my mind that if I'm on that plane and we have another set of pilot eyes, we don't we don't fly through that storm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's zero doubt, and you know, but I, I've, and I've been through, through work, treat, treatment, and we've have worked through a lot of that to some extent, but but. Still hurts. Sai, I
0: totally get it, right? I came on and talked about my eight years and bawled like a baby talking about my dad. So I get it. We're going to come right back to Sai after this little 30 second uh, word from our sponsors. We appreciate Sai for being vulnerable, man. Excited to get back to it.
1: You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond
2: Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery and. Once you become a The Steps family, you're just a part of The Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome
3: addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a
2: way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization.
1: Welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Part two, episode 107 with Cy Hershey. And uh, we have just gotten to the point in Cy's story where his parents lost their lives in a plane crash. Uh, I don't know if everybody totally caught that, but their plane didn't make it through a storm. But before we get back to that story, because that had a, such a profound influence on size life. But before we get back to that, we got to mention Hilton Garden Inn is our uh, sponsor for segment two of episode 107. And the Hilton Garden Inn is down here in St. George. Greatest hotel ever. And if you happen to be traveling through this part of the country, if you're in southern Utah, look them up. Hilton Garden Inn. Type it in on a Google search and give them a shot at your business. They have the greatest amenities. Um, Hilton Garden Inn's always clean, fresh. S- uh, staff is always kind and always helpful to me. And uh, their pool and their hot tub are amazing, too, by the way. We mention that a lot. because.
0: Shout out to Estefania. She's always so uh, fantastic yeah, when it comes good. to like booking our stuff and getting yeah. our guests that need a, a hotel room and getting you lined up. Yeah. And Super Estefania, yeah, she's love great. you, girl. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Chris, um, pay that lady more. Yeah, she needs a raise. Yeah, pay her.
3: Uh, okay, so back to Size Story. So Size just lost his parents. What's your reaction to that? Just, what yeah. do you do in life when that happens?
2: It it was a struggle. It really was, and it's interesting to just even reflect. And, and I've obviously told the story often, right. but but you know, I, I consciously remember going, shoot, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm depressed. I'm, I, I'm, you know, what would be really cool right now is opiates. You know, I'd really like you know, that experience of just kind of checking out with opiates, but I'm like, God, that was a pretty hairy situation. And I don't want to dive right back into that, but people drink all the time, Mm. you know, and, and I travel for work and I can drink and I can do this. And, and I'll tell you what, drinking, (laughs) you know, brought me to my knees quicker than anything. Like talk about uh, you know, and just dishonesty with the wife. So, so my wife had no real experience with me with any sort of substance abuse. And so she's bearing down and, you know, so that I'm drinking at work and then I'm drinking on the road and then I'm getting DUIs. And then this is where I actually met sellers. I, I'm getting detox. And this is, this is way back before they even medically detox. Like they put you in pace and pavilion, remember, and yeah. give you comfort meds or whatever, yeah. but they weren't going to give you out or anything like that. and, you and, you and Mike Jorgensen come walking in, and, and you knew my dad, and I knew Mike for something somehow, and they're like, you got to come to our new treatment center steps, and it was brand new. Brand new. Sorry, this thing's. Moving.
0: Is that back in the day that you were the medical director, the front office manager, the okay. clinical director, the head nurse, the admissions guy, no, the no, no, uh, it front line? A it was a few psych tech. Said. He was. A, he was everything. He was <laughs> yeah. everything.
2: And I told him, hey, no, no. Well, remember why I told him? you? No, know, i because I wanted to chew tobacco. And they're like, oh, nope, yeah. we don't do chew yeah. tobacco. So I'm like, I'm not yeah. going.
3: We elected at that time when <laughs> Steps first opened. And I can't, I haven't worked for Steps for a long time, so I don't know where they are now. But we elected to not allow tobacco. And there's a reason for it. Like, there is medical evidence that people that quit tobacco at the same time that they quit drugs and alcohol have a better chance of staying clean and sober. And so we thought, well, let's, let's not. And then... Uh, the owner at the time wanted us to be a tobacco-free thing, regardless of the medical evidence.
0: Anyway, so, yeah. so we, I, I we didn't
3: allow tobacco, and so size like uh, that ain't happening. Being,
0: but being a former uh, employee of Steps, okay. uh, as of a week ago, I can say that they do now allow tobacco okay. right uh, around right. scheduled time breaks.
3: Well, it's a it's listen, I've which been most
0: in, places do these days. This
3: is not necessarily to speak to size story because we're well into this, but. I've worked for a lot of places, and that's a battle. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah. is a battle for. Was for PSI? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's, it's a
2: battle for staff. I've worked. I've worked for multiple places too that have it or don't have it, and and the ones that don't have it, your a lot of your clinical experience is around cigarettes. No, no question. It's around. Oh, so so and so snuck a cigarette, or so oh, and so did this, and blah blah blah. And,
3: we've we've been open. What well. steps? We opened in two thousand and six or seven, seven. 2006 or six Remember when eight. you went 2006 we yeah. six. We've been open two or three months size there
2: yeah so Full you did size? end up going no, i said no but then then i get a couple duis <laughs> and i'm in jail and they come and i'm like yes i will go and i'm sorry I get, this is messing with me bad but my hair your hair is
3: lovely don't God, worry about it oh most oh people listen
2: um, a few people actually watch but yes yeah, so and then they came they come to utah county jail and i'm like yes i will go and then, and we'll Cause, wrap cause this because guess up.
0: where they don't give you tobacco? Yeah, there, Utah yeah, County yeah, Jail. Yeah, I know. yeah.
2: and, <laughs> guess, and you guess, guess where you don't want to be in Utah County Jail? <laughs> right. So, get I, I, out. Know, we, we we go through the experience, and we're we're all learning as we go. Docs learning as we go. I, I'm a
3: clinical director that I've not, that I shouldn't have ever been, and that I'd never been before. So yeah,
2: and, I was new in this. And league. docs loving me, like he's l- literally just. Covering me with good positive things and doing everything he can to kinda of point me in the right direction. And what am I doing? I'm I'm chewing every chance I get. <laughs> and, and Doc So we took a kicks tri- me we, out of kicks. We, me out of we here. took
3: a trip as a group. We had one of our clients that had a, a fairly wealthy father who owned a few condos down here in St. George. And as a treatment center we took a trip from Payson to St. George. And uh, took all the clients. We had three condos, and it was, they were like three-bedroom condos. They were pretty decent places, right? So we took this long trip, and we loaded everybody in a van, and then uh, the owner and I got in his BMW, and we drove down, and then we made the one one of the techs handle all the clients. And <laughs> nope. we, we get down here, and we're down here, and I discover that size has got a thing of chew yeah. while we're down here. Nice. And I, I – listen, a brand-new clinical director, right? You're not supposed to play favorites. Mm. Uh, I did. I was new. I hadn't really been formally trained as a therapist or a clinical director or anything like that. And I, yeah, I kind of took a liking to Psy, and I found out he had chew and I just, got, I lost, I lost it. I, we sent all the clients home. I kicked Cy out of treatment
0: for tobacco.
2: It was, it was I've, I've never so, seen Doc more no, angry in my so, entire life listen I, I realize so it's mad. a
0: behavior thing but let me just tell you what I heard as a, as a substance abuse counselor yeah. we took a dude that has a substance abuse problem right. found out that he was sneaking that a had, substance right. and kicked and him got, out of a substance right, abuse center right. <laughs> like that's just right but I get it back then it was a different day we've come we've well, come a ways and there's some behavior stuff in there but it just let me explain and let I'm sure Cy si was the first person in the history of treatment centers to ever sneak symptoms tobacco right, right? <laughs> we well, can uh, laugh about it now no, right? I mean, we, th-
2: we were we were like the first people like you besides, were among the first group besides in that treatment sir Cl- i don't know if we're supposed to say names of treatments yeah we can it was it like i was client four
3: yeah <laughs> you know
2: yeah <laughs> and, and i mean and the other people that we're talking about are they're they're great people in the recovery world right now too But we were all doing it, you know, I mean, and, but we were just trying to figure it out. Like we just didn't know what was going, which way was up, you know, and, and my treatment experiences were funny because I started at the, the Lodge situation uh, and I'll never forget them. And it was all cash pay back then. There was no insurance. There was no affordable care act and it was just big money, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I just remember my. Treatment experience started at like Cirque, then I'd get a DUI, then I'd go to Steps, then I get a DUI, kicked out. I, I did great at Grace Cirque because they can smoke.
0: Yeah. Sure. The bougie, the bougieness <laughs> boo- Yeah. Huh. Next thing I
2: know, I'm at Odyssey House. Going, oh my gosh! And then a
0: in, Medicaid facility. Yeah, and then, yeah, then I'm in yeah. prison. So you went from probably the bougiest like right, like Hollywood sends the elite yep. to to Cirque. To like steps, which is, it's still really nice, right? Yeah. To like, uh, basically a jail referral program, which Odyssey House does great stuff. I'm not knocking which Odyssey House. Which was
2: actually probably the most effective one. I was just going
0: to say, but yeah. I bet that's what you needed.
2: Yeah. What well, well, what I ultimately needed was prison. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, this is a super lucky kid that had all these opportunities in life. Literally walked through the doors of the Utah State Prison. I remember Judge Claudia Laycock was a great friend of my dad's, and (laughs) and and she asked herself if she should recuse herself because she was such a good friend. And I'm thinking, no, this is a positive, you know. And like she's gonna have leniency on me. And she and by that third DUI, she goes, hey, if I see you again, you're going to prison. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I got you. (laughs) <laughs> and I see her, and she's like, and she, I go to prison, and she she says you know, you, you'll be there seven, eight months, and I was, you know I was there twenty months. Like she had no idea. Like she she has no control over the parole board or anything right. like that. Right. But yeah, you know, I get into I get into prison. They they counted me out down down in Beaver County, and
3: was prison just for an uh, another DUI?
2: Yeah, felony like, t- DUI, felony DUI, and then I had a protective order with my okay. Ex, it was my wife at the time,
0: But right. So it sounds like your substance abuse cost you a marriage. Oh, well, it was brutal, we have that in common.
2: It was brutal, it was literally like constant me lying, her confronting me wanting to leave to drink. Then she would call the police because I'm drinking and driving, and, mm. and, and I get it the unmanageability she, of man, the was, powerlessness. Yeah, it was yeah. huge, and she didn't know what to do either. Sure. You know, she's doing the best that she could with the situation, but. You know, get into the what's called the BRT, which is the Beaver Residential Treatment Center, and start going. Man, I'm pretty good at this. You know, not not good at treatment, but I'm good at inspiring hope and change.
0: Was that? Can I pause just for one sec? Because yeah. there's oftentimes some of the most impactful moments of our lives are our oh shiz moments, mm-hmm. right? Like our oh crap moments. Mm-hmm. When you got sentenced to prison, yeah. this kid that came from. Luxury that came from privilege. I mean, you said you'd go to places and just sign your name. You yeah. didn't even have to pay right Yep. when you was there a point where you were like, okay, like enough. So was that like your oh crap moment? Or that no, one? still not.
2: No, I mean, that was it. That was I mean, do you do you you literally have a moment when you walk through there? And you go, is this something I'm okay with? Is this something that I'm just going to be okay with throughout my life and I'm going to do it? Because there's so many people in there that just are okay with it. Or am I going to not? You know, or, so
0: That was a very sobering moment for
2: you. It was huge. And it was a moment where I got to walk with my head held high, proud of the person that I was trying to be. And people respected it. Law enforcement respected it. Inmates respected it. And we created a really cool program in there that helped a ton of people. You know, and it it was, but I stood out like a sore thumb. You know, I I remember my very first celly and you went to one or whatever, which is like death row. You know, it really was. was, I was a pod worker on death row. And uh, first celly's like, hey, they call me shotgun. I'm like, Who, who's they? They're like, they call me shotgun. I'm like, so, so you want me to call you shotgun? Is that what's like what do they call you? I'm like, I don't want to sigh, you know. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, you're either okay with it or you're not. And I was not okay with it. I was not okay with it. And I spent every minute in that place trying to improve myself mentally, physically, spiritually, every day. And I tried to be a really good example to a lot of other people. And I and i feel like they've made that there has been a pretty big ripple effect with that you know but then you fast forward and, and you get out of treatment or get out of prison and i had this strong desire to disprove what a convict looks like
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know disprove what this is all about and disprove what i'm capable of but you know i had to start at the bottom you know i had to start as a residential tech at Cirque Lodge, you know, and then I moved up into a client liaison and then I moved up into further and, you know, and I, and I've had a really successful career in the recovery world for the last 12 years. And I was just looking at my invoices cause I just did a, a intervention. I do interventions, but I've done over 400 interventions in the last 10 years. And, and, and I don't say that to brag, but it's like, I just, I've gotten to the point where I've gotten to help a lot of people and I literally do it with one goal in mind to inspire hope and change. And my life's far from perfect. I've gone through a divorce. You know, I've I've you know, I've relapsed after long term recovery. You know, I've 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 come back from that. I you know, I I think we titled this the comeback kid. I'm sorry about the headphones, but it's the comeback kid, but it's like you know, I built beautiful lives and I burnt it down still. Even in this, you know, sense of recovery and sense of beauty and all these positive things. And and you know, I I look at my situation right now and, and you know, it's beautiful, but life's hard. Anyone that tells you life's easy is lying. Like life is hard and there's a lot of things that go into it. But the fact of the matter that I've really really found and I hope to share with as many people that will listen is Purpose, you know, value and purpose is what helps us withstand the deaths. which helps us withstand the friends relapsing the us relapsing whatever it looks like if we have purpose and value and that's something Doc's showed me forever, you know, he came into a situation and found his purpose and he's followed his purpose and it hasn't been easy and it hasn't been perfect all the way, but you've helped so many people. Like you've stood, stood by my side for decades now, you know, and I know I can call you with anything, you know, and I, and I'd hope vice versa. And it's like, that's what recovery is. You know, I think we do get, caught up a little bit in counting days and stuff around that and I understand I understand the significance of that but I look at recovery it's not a linear start finish sort of thing like it's a it's a process it's
0: like climbing a mountain there's yep. going to be plateaus there's going to be spaces where you're on an uphill climb there's going to be yeah it's it's like you said it's not a straight line yeah I don't believe so either yeah it purpose so I love that yeah it almost sounds like I'm going to backtrack for a minute here we got enough time sure sounds like you found purpose when you got counted out because you started a program in Beaver mm-hmm. when you got counted out to Beaver County Jail. Yeah. When you left there, did you know that this was kind of like your jam?
2: I knew it was something I really wanted like to do.
0: this as in recovery, working in the field of recovery, helping other people that were behind you make it.
2: Yeah. I knew it was something I really wanted to do. I wasn't sure how, where that direction was. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to, you know get a little bit more education and, you know, get a little bit more this for me. It was, I liked the front end aspect of it. I like the business development aspect of it, but it, you know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I, I remember literally just looking when I'm just a frontline tech, looking at like the admissions guys going, God, I wish I could do that. Mm. I wish I could be receiving these calls to help people while in crisis. And, you know, I managed to do that. I've, managed to be a director at multiple different treatment centers and, and, uh, you know, haven't loved every minute of it, but I've loved a lot of it. How many years
0: ago since you left the Beaver County Jail has it been?
2: 2011.
0: Okay. Yeah. So what, what's that doc? 12 coming up on 12. Yeah. So in 12 years you've gone from being, what is it not 12? It's 11. What is it? It's 11. It's okay. It's fine. It's It's totally fine. It's it's funny you've that gone. You just turned to me for math. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you, I don't. I, I he's it, a I hero it. to me too. I got mm. every once in a while. I know it's the last time we do this podcast. After I say something, I always turn to get validation from Doc. Mm. Like I need right. his approval, right? right. So um, I get it when you say that he's yeah, a pillar yeah. for you too. You've you, gone. You guys gone, don't
3: need my approval.
0: You've gone from you doing fine from being a tech to over four hundred interventions. Yeah. And you own a uh, intervention company, like what does that look like? How how did you get involved in doing interventions? Because that's quite a, a ways from being a yeah, psych, a psych tech.
2: Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, there's there's training. Interventions a weird, wild, wild west out there. Like you get certifications and cr- credentials and whatnot. And I I did the Arise method. I've done the Plon method, and now I actually kind of teach the Hershey method. Um, but it's not hasn't been my primary thing. Like typically, I'm a marketing or business development director at a treatment center that we've all heard of at some point. But th- how did I get there? I just kept trying to help people. Yeah, you, was know, and you know, it's funny because I'm working at Cirque and I'm kind of moving through that process. And then I remember I got a job at a, uh, another place called Maple Mountain as their business development director. And I remember sitting in my first meeting and they're talking like VOBs and they're talking this lingo of admissions. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. And I get home and I'm Googling it like, <laughs> Oh, a verification of benefits and oh, this insurance. Cause I'd never worked with insurance once at Cirque. And, you know, but it's, it's like this process of just trying to show up. Like it's, you know, there really is a magic and an art to just showing up and putting good, positive intentions out to just help people in need, help people that were just like me, just like you, just like you. Mm-hmm. And 99.9% of the time, if we treat them like the way we want them to be treated, they'll respond, you know? And is it always lasting? No, you know, and then that, and that's the hardest part of this business sometimes is just the, the struggles of the people that you really care about, but you know, it's it's so worth it it's, for it's, the one.
3: That's a part that to me is a little bit difficult is to watch people that, you know, have potential to watch them c- sort of continue to struggle. You and I and yeah. you and we all have friends that are dead.
2: Yeah. We all
3: have people that we know that we care about that have not made it through the disease that die. And so when somebody, you know, struggles, it's it's just that's hard. It's hard because man, this is deadly stuff sometimes.
0: And it makes you angry when, yes. you know, you yes. get somebody in treatment and they're doing really well and you have high expectations and high hopes and you plan a really fun trip and then you find out that they're <laughs> smuggling some chew it's made me on angry. the trip. That would me. irritate me. You're right. me like,
3: I want to go back to that right now. <laughs> <That's>, that, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. Because I want to go back to that. Because you're first of all, it took me a minute to realize this. And you brought this up and it's completely true, right? People come to you, and this is what happens in treatment, Still to this day, people come to you for help with substance abuse and then they and then they forget tobacco for a second. They, they somehow sneak some heroin into the treatment center and use heroin. Mm. And then you kick them out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a sec, you brought them in for this problem. I've come a ways on this, I promise. I'm no longer in favor of kicking people out of treatment who use during treatment, unless of course they harm someone else or right. bring someone else down with them. But like, I don't kick people out that use in treatment anymore. I just am not about that. I was with a fairly hardline, old school AA kind of guy that was the owner of the treatment center at the time, who was that way. Like, sorry, we don't put up with any of that crap, and so um, that's why we booted somebody out that used tobacco. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that today. That's gone. I've come a long ways on that because yeah, people come to you for help with something, and then they. And, they, and then somehow they do the behavior they came to you for help with and you punish them. Yeah. Like, wait a sec. We're supposed to teach them how not to do that, not punish them when they do, because that's what they do
0: naturally. And we could dial the scope in on that and take a look at it for a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different ways. Right. Like you, you obviously gotta protect the milieu if for they're sure. sharing, right. if they're right. right. Like you've gotta take that stuff into consideration. And that's so my So the line. level of care absolutely matters for That's sure. my
3: line right now is if people share it and harm other people's recovery, then yeah, they got it. they probably have to leave.
0: Yeah, I probably shouldn't share this on here, but typically if I have a client that comes to me and they've relapsed, they're expecting, you know, they're they've catastrophized for days. Right. And, they're
3: getting kicked out for sure. And
0: when I sit across in from them mind. and I look them in the face and I say well, what did that fix? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did that cure? Mm-hmm. How did that help? And mm-hmm. what did you learn? What did you learn? what did that do for you? Right. And literally they're like, okay, so. My bag's on my bags. <laughs> My back in my right? stuff. It's like, yeah. Yeah. it's like, no dude, like, I, I don't, I never condone a relapse, but at the same time to ostracize somebody I think is wrong, yeah. to Dr. Sellers point. Yeah. yeah, They've come for you, they've come to you because of the behavior. You've gotta have some bandwidth to be able to deal. I for sure would handle that situation differently today. It's fun to tease you about it
3: though. Oh, it's, it's Oh, it's fun to tease. <laughs> it's fun to tease myself about it. Like, what the heck? I got really mad. Like, I was fuming mad.
2: You was mad.
3: I've known Cy for 15 years. He's never seen me madder. No, I've not, not never even, been not that even mad.
2: close. Right. I was Like, f- he was like ready to f- yeah. yeah, he was yeah. mad. Yeah.
3: And I'm like 20 years older than him. Like I'm standing face to face, like I'm gonna mess him up. Like the guy could just cream me any any time, any day, right? I mean, no. I, I'm an old fat guy, but I'm acting like I'm gonna hey, pummel him into the ground or
2: the something. The point was taken, though. I mean, there's a fact. I mean, I I, I I totally understand and I totally agree with. Hey, you gotta protect the millie. You gotta you gotta you know not punish the addict for doing addict behaviors and stuff along those lines. But it's like I'm I'm the opposite. I'm like I'm always fighting with clinical about trying to treat more and more and more people. So it's like, I I get from the clinical standpoint, you guys are dealing with all sorts of crazy. Yeah. true. You know, sometimes I feel like clinical wants to help healthy people because they (laughs) are, there's so many barriers of it, but it's like in that situation, you were doing the best that you could and you felt personally insulted because it was a personal insult because of the way our relationship that we had. Right. It was that, that's it a was. part
3: of it. it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be personal, but with about right, forty five seconds left, side yeah, what's
0: yeah, what's the message you want to give to the person struggling in early recovery? Thank you.
2: Just yeah, you know, keep I mean I love this question and I never necessarily know what to say. But to to keep showing up. Hmm. Literally, I mean it, it, it's so cliche and there's so many things that we say around that, but just you do matter. It is possible. You know, the change is possible. I'm living, walking proof of it. Heath, we're about out of time. Beautiful.
0: Thank you, Cy. I appreciate you coming on. Cy Hershey. Yeah. yeah. Still kicking.
3: Still Barely. Doing it.
2: Let's go.
0: I love it. Let's
3: play some golf tomorrow. How about that? Uh, let's do it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Episode 107. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have
3: any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook
0: page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening.
1: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.